If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Jesus is having dinner with his closest friends for the last time. It's like he's on his deathbed and he's trying to tell them all the things they need to know before he's gone. Final instructions, things to prepare them for when he's gone, maybe trying to instill a little hope that will survive seeing their friend hung from a tree and placed in a tomb in a couple of days. It's a tall order. But Jesus first washes their feet and he tries to tell them that this life that they're called to, this mission that they share, it's not about gaining power or being better than someone else, but about humble service to any and all people. The disciples are a little confused about Jesus' strange act of service, so he tries to spell it out for them plainly. He gives them a, a new commandment and says, above all else, this is what I want you to know and to do. Love one another as I have loved you. It sounds simple, but he knows it's pretty hard to do. The disciples are kind of catching on to the fact that Jesus is trying to sell them, tell them something that's really hard and really important. They began asking questions. Where are you going, Jesus? Why can't we come with you? We've gone everywhere with you for three years now. Jesus tries to give them some reassurance. Trust me, there is plenty of room where I'm going. I'll prepare a place for you. You'll join me eventually. You already know the way there. None of this is making sense. To the disciples. And so they ask these questions, and it only shows Jesus that they're not getting it. You can imagine the worry that wrangles their faces. It makes me wonder if throughout the course of this dinner, Jesus had to stop and said to himself, they just aren't getting it. They're confused and anxious what is it that I need to tell them? What do they need to hear? Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. At this dinner, their closest friend is trying to tell them that something awful but necessary is about to happen. This person who has been their guide, showing them where to go, their teacher, telling them how to live and to love their comforter in the midst of grief, the leader and co-worker in their mission, 
He's going to be gone. He's been their confidant, their companion, their encourager. He's fed them, protected them. He's been their help in times of need. He's been their advocate in all of the ways. And now he's leaving. Maybe you know what that feels like. To have lost someone who has played such a vital role in your life, who has been your advocate. And then to be told that that person will be with you no longer. Maybe you know what that's like. What did you need to hear from them? Or what do you wish they said that would have given you some hope for life once they're gone? I imagine Jesus asked himself those questions. What do they need to hear? And what he settled on is what we hear in today's gospel reading. It's nothing new. He starts by saying the same thing again. If you love me, keep my commandment. And it's that same commandment that's easy to understand, simple, yet so hard to do. Love one another just as I have loved you. It's hard to tell, though, if Jesus is pleading or if he's more commanding here. Regardless of how you hear it, you don't take lightly the instructions that someone gives you on their deathbed. Jesus knows this. He knows that his disciples will try to keep this commandment in love as he did. They'll try to be a guide to others. They'll try to be a teacher, to be a comforter, a leader on this mission. They'll try to do and be all the things that Jesus was. But Jesus knows that they would fail. That no matter how hard they would try, how determined and how impassioned they were, that they would fall short of being the advocate for others that Jesus was for them. And for anyone who has tried to be that or to do that in this life, this comes as no surprise. It's pretty hard. Fortunately, for the disciples and for us, Jesus follows up this plea or this command with a promise a gift that would lessen their worry, that would ease their anxiety and give them hope for the rough times that are soon ahead, the gift of another advocate. Jesus says, God will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. Now, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. That's why he says another advocate, but they are a lot of like because they're both advocates which means that the Holy Spirit will also be a helper, a comforter, a protector, someone who stands up for them in their need, who gives them a voice and words when they can't find their own, one who will help and walk beside them when no one else will, just like Jesus had. And to give even more reassurance, this advocate, Jesus says, will be with you forever. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I won't leave you alone. I might not be here in the flesh, but you will have my presence even closer 
Because the Holy Spirit will abide with you, will be in you. Is there anything more or better or hopeful or graceful than that promise? A promise that Jesus made good on to the disciples and to you and I. But you might say, how do I know Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to me? I've never seen it. It sounds like magic. Jesus never breathed on me like he did the disciples. How do I know? And I would ask, have you ever seen someone give food to another who's hungry? Or water to those who are thirsty? Have you seen someone stand up for other people who are looked down upon? Or acted justly and generously to those who are poor? Have you heard someone use their voice to cry out for others who can't cry out themselves? Or have worked to heal and comfort the sick who have visited the imprisoned, who have welcomed the stranger and the immigrant? And if you have, then you've seen the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see someone being an advocate for someone else, that's the Holy Spirit at work Helping people love like Jesus. And if that's ever been you, if you have done any of that, then rest assured that our advocate abides in you just as Jesus has promised. On this Mother's Day, It's good and right to lift up or remember the women and mothering figures in our own lives who have or who are our advocates. But this Mother's Day, I I think of Ann Jarvis. Ann is the mother who inspired Mother's Day. She was an activist and community organizer from West Virginia. She had an ardent passion for meeting the needs of her community. In 1858, Anne began Mother's Day work clubs. They focused on improving the health and sanitary conditions for women and families. These clubs, they started to spread all throughout Appalachia. They provided assistance and education to families. They raised money to get medicine that poor families couldn't afford. She visited households on horseback, going to places few others were willing to, to see if she could help reduce diseases and infant mortality problems that plagued her community. When the Civil War broke out, Anne gathered teams of women to provide medical and spiritual aid to any and all soldiers. After the war, when the community was wrought with conflict, she turned to peacemaking and to reconciling. She held friendship days for mothers of soldiers from the North and the South. Throughout her life, Anne was a devout Methodist, committed to not only teaching Sunday school, but teaching others how to teach Sunday school. Above all, Anne was an advocate. To countless other mothers and women, she protected them, taught them, 
attended to them when they were ill, spoke out on their behalf, fed them when they were hungry, did whatever she could to love like Jesus. Brunch and flowers and whatnot, they are great. And we should celebrate in that way. But the real spirit of Mother's Day is none of those things. The real spirit of Mother's Day is being an advocate like Anne. And caring for those for whom no one else is. It makes me wonder... Who are we advocates for here at Cross of Grace? Who do we stand behind, speak up for, walk beside, or for whom should we? Who has been that person in your own life? Give thanks for that person today. And then go and be that advocate for someone else, loving them just as Jesus has loved you. Amen.